You're listening to SBS News. Federal authorities are reporting terrorism is an enduring, diverse and complex problem for Australia and it can be driven by extremist attitudes towards minority groups when racially or religiously motivated ideology takes hold. In the first episode of To the Extreme, authorities explain how they are adapting to the ever-changing threat of extremism and what the danger level is for Australians of facing possible future attacks. From anti-lockdown protests to threatening behaviour, including a prop gallows and noose set up outside the Victorian Parliament late last year. I brought a set of gallows into Parliament House to remind the traders what happens when you commit treason in Australia. Pandemic conditions created fertile ground for anti-government sentiment to explode. Far-right agitators have had the chance to grow their movement through online channels, building on a community-wide general sense of caution that edged towards distrust. The issue of extremism and recruiting new members into what can be dangerous groups with hateful views is not new. Victoria Police Deputy Commissioner Ross Gunther holds the portfolio of public safety and security – He admits the online world can be difficult to moderate and to manage. The pandemic environment actually has seen Victoria Police progress dozens of threat-based investigations to charges and that demonstrates that the online rhetoric has real-life consequences and and where relevant and applicable, um, this activity can be complemented by more therapeutic-type engagements such as our counter-violent extremism programs. He says when police identify a risk of intent to carry out religious or ideologically motivated violence, it is referred to counter-terrorism investigators, which include Victoria Police detectives and Australian Federal Police. The Australian Federal Police Assistant Commissioner for Counter-Terrorism and Special Investigations is Scott Lee. He says police target criminals rather than certain ideologies or backgrounds. Certainly we've seen an increase in the number of ideologically motivated violent extremist um, investigations that we're undertaking. Certainly the, the majority of those, or that's the threats there, primarily relate to nationalist and racist uh, violent extremism uh, threat drivers. So that's uh, those individuals that are um, obviously... Um, anti-Semitic, um, anti-Muslim, uh, or have those nationalist views that are white supremacist or um, neo-Nazi as, as examples. Commissioner Lee warns extremists have taken advantage of people's loneliness and isolation during periods of health restrictions. As a result, that's increased that online use, um, which has can well have, has led to an increased recruitment of individuals who may be more susceptible to online radicalisation and extremist messaging. So certainly from our perspective, the majority of that has been in that uh, online environment rather than um, us seeing that intent and capability in the uh, in the physical environment at the present time. Uh, but that's obviously something that we we monitor closely uh, where we have, where we undertake those investigations and we move to disrupt at an early early stage where we can some research into the far right shows extremist activity tends to increase in moments of crisis exploiting an opportunity to boost recruitment 
Victoria University's Senior Research Fellow, Mario Poika, says public visibility and media coverage are part of the strategy. People don't only get dragged into the far right because of ideological similarities, but also because of certain psychological or social needs. So people don't feel hurt. They don't f- um, if people, people don't feel hurt, don't feel respected, don't feel connected in community, then they are more vulnerable to, to, to a sort of a parallel community that, that the far right tries to create that seems more welcoming and for certain groups of people. Dr. Poika says these groups can also label the media and other institutions as the enemy. The, the, the key principles of the far right that, that tries to, that sort of um, justifies the use of that umbrella term is that they are all um, fundamentally against the democratic principles of egalitarianism. And, and that can, you know, manifest in racism, in um, Islamophobia, in different forms. Um, but they are also um, an aggressive form of nationalism. Dr. Poika adds that failure to speak up against extremists and challenge their views can exacerbate their effect. But how can community advocates and religious leaders turn around attitudes of individuals on the edge of society or young people who are easily influenced? One Muslim Australian says it's important for people with a migrant background to better understand how authorities work in Australia when many often have memories of controlling regimes back home. Basim Al-Ansari from Sydney says everyone in society has a responsibility to respond to the threat. The current system of the police where they only interfere when the crime happens uh, is actually a very outdated system. We are living in the 21st century. Uh, you can uh, read signs, you can notice signs, you can prevent them much earlier on. And we know that prevention is better than cure. And to be honest, when we talk about um, extremism, uh, being from far right or uh, any sort of terrorist activity, um, these don't happen overnight. Um, they happen over a very long time. So if we look for um, ways to prevent them, I think we will be much more successful. And to be fair to police, I guess they do have the charges of intent to harm or plotting a yes. terrorist yes. act, but, um, yeah, sometimes but when, when it's too advanced. late. That's very advanced. I'm talking about um, our teenage groups, for example. I'm talking about kids who are still 12 and 13 who are on the path to be influenced to, to go that path. That prevention has to happen from that. A recent inquiry into extremism backs up Basim Al-Ansari's concerns about these teenagers who are prone to succumbing to dangerous ideologies. An interim report into radicalism and extremism from the Parliamentary Committee on Intelligence and Security released earlier this year reported children as young as 13 are embracing extremism. That now-lapsed inquiry heard that ASIO's caseload for ideological extremism has grown from 30% to around 40% of its counter-terrorism work. Commissioner Lee again. Certainly since, um, since 2020, we've seen an increase um, in the ideolo- ideologically motivated violent extremism caseload um, increased to around 15% of our overall workload. So it's increased by about 13% over that time. Um, and it's remained, it's remained relatively consistent um, at that level uh, for the past couple of years. 
we expect that it may continue to increase, uh, but to what level it might reach, we just um, we just don't know at the moment. It's difficult for us to forecast. The latest inquiry into extremism has begun in Victoria, following the state's ban of the Nazi swastika from public display. Similar proposals are being considered in Queensland, New South Wales and Tasmania. The Australia, Israel and Jewish Affairs Council's Dr Colin Rubenstein told a hearing in June that solo self-radicalised offenders are often unaffiliated individuals. When it comes to the security threat, Australia is very likely not to have experienced the racially motivated mass casualty violence conducted by self-radicalised lone wolf attackers that we've seen recently in the United States in 2019 in New Zealand, of course, in 2011 in Norway. Remember Christchurch shooting was the most heinous shooting that New Zealand had ever seen. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern called it one of New Zealand's darkest days. People paid their respects to the victims. The New Zealand mosque attack that left 51 Muslim victims dead was live streamed by the perpetrator online. Dr Rubenstein says there needs to be regulation and monitoring of social media. A spokesperson for the Home Affairs Department says it's working with state and territory agencies to counter extremism through online initiatives, including the rehabilitation of extremists. Before the federal election this year, Labor was pushing to have far-right extremist groups treated like IS, Al-Qaeda and other terror groups. When SBS asked for further information on this plan, Home Affairs said in a statement, The Australian government is committed to keeping Australians safe from all forms of violent extremism. Late last year, the then coalition federal government named neo-Nazi group The Base as a terrorist organisation. The white supremacist group, which is mostly based in North America, was identified by the federal government as racist. But Dr Rubenstein has told the Victorian Inquiry the base and other far-right groups have a minimal presence in Australia. And there's no evidence to date any pose an organised security threat, despite their rhetoric online and off. The same applies to the National Socialist Network, an Australian neo-Nazi group primarily based in Victoria, which has been described as a disorganised, amateurish outfit riven with internal conflicts. The Victorian Extremism Inquiry continues until the end of August. And the next episode of To the Extreme will explore global division, the risk of extremism overseas and how it compares to Australia. To report any suspicious or suspected terrorist activity, contact the National Security Hotline on 1800 123 400 or 000 in an emergency. I'm Stephanie Corsetti, and this is To The Extreme, a production of SBS News. For more episodes, go to sbs.com.au forward slash news. You can also listen to this series and more on the SBS in-depth podcast on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.